Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome back to NeuroQual and our series of podcasts. Um, I'm uh, Charlie Whiffin and joining me is um, Santani and uh, Brandon. Um, and uh, we want to talk to you a little bit about Unit 1 and introduce some of the concepts within it. Um, so this first unit, thinking or qualitative thinking, um, is probably one of the most challenging units that we have in, in a lot of ways. Um, and I think it's useful just to think about the difference between qualitative and quantitative um, and what is our standpoint when we come to qualitative research. Um, it's interesting that when we did the five-day training course, we didn't actually introduce paradigms and philosophy in quite as much depth and as detail and detail as we did here as we've done here for neuroqual why do you think santa why, why do you think we we did that well i think at that point in time we were thinking more about how can we sort of equip these hmm. these, um, these qualitative virgins if i can use that word <laughs> like that <laughs> What's the process, like what's the practical aspect of carrying out? Because essentially that's what they, they needed to do. They needed to do the interviews, the focus groups and, yeah. and all that. And the other thing which I might add is that they weren't really involved in the development and the conception of the project. Yeah. So they might have been a bit confused and lost if we had to introduce that at that point in time. Mm. But having said that... Um, I think um, having this now is still not too late for them to look yeah. at and get a, get to grips with the, the basis of why they're doing the research as they are doing it now or what I want them to do. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it, that actually from a, a pragmatic point of view, if you want to push just the, you know, the, the raw methods of qualitative research like sampling and data collection so you interviews your focus groups you just talk to a few people in a room and and have a look at what they said I think that's that's the way that a lot of people come to qualitative research um, and I think the reason why we've put this in as the first unit is because actually it's a really important stepping stone because if you don't understand and the collaborators that you were working with, you're right, were kind of, they were people that were carrying out the interview. So they were doing, they were more kind of doing rather than at a thinking or conceptual level of the study. But I think if you <clears throat> think about the idea that all researchers degenerate knowledge, so that's what we're, that's what we're doing, regardless of whether it's quantitative or qualitative, what type of data we're collecting, you are resulting in new knowledge that you're contributing to an evidence base and I kind of think that if you don't understand how you're creating that knowledge and what influence what is influencing your interpretation of that data then how can you stand by what you've created because there's no kind of foundation for it and that when you start thinking about it in that sense then actually the philosophy behind qualitative research in, starts to get increasingly important. Um, and I also think that there is 
you know, although in quantitative research, there's always a researcher making decisions. So they'll they'll decide what statistical analysis to conduct, right? Now. They'll decide which outcome measures to choose, which outcomes are important. It's all kind of, you know, it's it there are still lead decisions by the researcher, but they're not always expressed as clearly, you know, they're kind of hidden, well, they're kind of assumed often in, in quantitative research. But in qualitative research, because we don't have a spreadsheet, you know, and we don't have a, a chi-squared value to calculate or, um, you know, a confidence interval, then actually there's this hidden bit, especially in the analytical process, if you don't really understand what's driving your interpretation, like why are you finding certain things important and discounting other bits if you don't understand that then that again is going to really it's going to make your your research kind of superficial and um you're not going to understand we kind of talk about lenses like what what is that influence I think that's that's really really important but that's it's a real struggle this bit this is the bit that I find students and researchers struggle with most um I mean, Brandon, when you kind of came in to do your PhD, did you have any idea about kind of philosophy or, you know, let's throw in some other words in there, ontology, epistemology, methodology? Do you kind of heard of these terms before or aware of their importance? Absolutely none of the terms. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's... Uh, it was a strange thing coming coming into it as, as you have these things like, as you mentioned, you know, the ontology and, and the methods and the methodology, even something as simple as methods and methodology was was a word I would I would confuse and sort of interchange. Um, so I, I, going back to the lenses, I mean, it was useful in just exploring how these lenses that you use will, will shape the, the, you know, the manuscript that you're eventually going to write. Um, so yeah, I mean, I suppose we'll, you'll see it further in in the unit, but um, there's there's lots to it, and I'm still learning today what what different lenses will how they will change your your sort of data and and how you present it to to the audience. Um, but yeah, the qualitative lens is uh, is very shaped very differently. There's different types of lenses, and they work in different ways when combined together. Mm. But Santani, what's your experience of this end, like this front end, if you like, of qualitative research and, you know, how you've engaged in it? Um, what I wanted to say is that um, when, when you don't have a, oh, sorry, when you do have a sort of paradigm or, or, or basis for doing the research, it sort of affects how you collect your data and what yeah. kind of questions you ask. Exactly. Because... Um, and, and this is very clear in the way data has been collected for my project. It's it's very clear. Um, that's all I will say about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, it it really when when you you understand the the the, the the basis of why you're you're doing it and what what you want to find out really, and not just a not just a matter of throwing in some research questions, but really thinking about it and saying this is this is my route and this is what how I want to go about doing it. Mm. it. It makes more sense than like what you said, just going around, talking to a few people, asking a couple of questions and yeah. Yeah, that that's that's there's no there's no end and there's no beginning to that if you are if you ask me. 
And the thing you're, you're right, what you said about, you know, it influences everything that you do, your, your position and your, your philosophy or your, your paradigm is telling you what questions to ask. It's telling you, you know, what people to talk to. It tells you what sample size you really need to, to, to access. Um, and um, it tells you what to do with the data and how to see the data. Yeah. Um, and then it, it's the kind of, it's the nuances of the different positions. So there's lots of different um, paradigms that you can use, be that interpretivism or construct, constructivism or constructionism, or um, you can use a feminist approach, you can use um, a critical realist approach, post-positivism, post-positivism, if you want to stay kind of more down the kind of quantitative end. And I think what's What's interesting is when you pick up a quantitative manu manuscript, they won't talk about philosophy. Oh, no. No. <laughs> they don't, do they? There's not this section that says, this is what I believe. I believe that there is, um, you know, uh, a yet, you know, a measurable <laughs> outcomes yeah. and me oh, yeah, 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 objectivity. Yeah. And I believe in a universal truth and fixed kind of realities because that's kind of like it's kind of assumed in in quantitative research that that that's that scientific uh, for want of a better word that's the kind of scientific approach um and then that kind of i think that's that that might be why when traditional positivists do qualitative research because their their model of of doing quantitative research doesn't really engage in those things they possibly that might possibly be the reason why they don't in, think to engage in the kind of qualitative philosophy um, so much but actually it's really important in what we do I think that's because the researcher is so central to the analytical approach and and you know the the, the findings of the study we're so immersed in everything that's happening and in in quantitative research the researcher is traditionally you know detached you know yeah. the bias is a really bad thing um, and um, qualitative research, we don't really take such a, you know, we don't take such a view to kind of traditional concepts around validity and reliability, but it's really important to explain those, those things. Um, and actually, there, there are subtle differences between something like interpretivism and constructivism and constructionism. Um, and those things will determine the approach you use. So you kind of talked about, a, you know, a root and then that influences the growth. I think that's a really good metaphor, actually, um, because there's a connection to everything that you do. Um, it's not just a, you know, some people would say about a toolbox. If, oh, well, I'll, 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 I'll grab that bit and I'll take that bit and I'll take that bit. But actually there is a, um, there, there should be this seamless kind of, um, fluidity through the research process that connects all of those things and the first bit that grounds all of those decisions is that kind of is that philosophy about how you are seeing your study um, but I think that's the bit that possibly puts people off right at the beginning because there's some really tricky concepts in there um, so um, I think some of the like you know I think I probably recommended to you Brandon a, a book by Denzin and Lincoln um, about qualitative qualitative methods or introduction to quality or I think it's a handbook of qualitative inquiry um, yeah. and when they say it's a handbook you kind of imagine this little kind of pocketbook don't you <laughs> and it, 
it's massive it's absolutely huge and I think that's that kind of demonstrates you know just the variety of, of approaches and the importance of those nuances and I think that's that's really why a lot of qualitative researchers don't agree. You know, I know even on the on the team putting the NeuroQual resources together, I ended up in a, a bit of a um, discussion around just the use of the word methodology. Um, and you reflected that, in, you know, what's the difference between methodology and method? You know, we just don't all agree. And that's really confusing. And I think that turns a lot of people off. But I think, you know, from my perspective I think as long as you are transparent about you understand what you're doing and you're transparent about what you're doing so that somebody else can say okay I might not quite agree with the way you applied this this technique but I understand why you did it and they so they can kind of critique your approach I think that that is that is okay um but it's it's worthwhile spending a good amount of time thinking about that qualitative lens and what that what that means. Um, and we talked a bit about um, mixing methods. Um, I think that is becoming much more uh, prominent in you know the work that we do, either as a joint project where the qualitative and quantitative are you know kind of equal equally weighted, if you like. Um, but they lead to different studies. So they're kind of published separately. They're different protocols or maybe even the same protocol, but they're kind of different end results. Or there's mixed methods where, you know, the quantitative bit leads to the qualitative bit. So like with your project, Brandon, you're kind of using the qualitative to inform the quantitative or it might be the other way around. The, the quantitative informs the qualitative but I think again, coming back to your thinking, you know, where do you where do you situate your own kind of appreciation of, of the approach? Are you gen are you are you is your study really positivist with just kind of like a little bit of qualitative data? And that that's okay, but you know, you kind of need to be honest about that. Or is this, you know, a fully kind of, you know, cons social constructivist kind of um, type of research and analysis and actually that's going to lead to some really in-depth um, findings which are as equally as important as the quantitative um, I don't know if you guys want to want to talk a bit about your your kind of thinking behind your studies yeah I think for for mine um, I have to admit that um, it was really sort of I guess Post positivist, I want to say, yeah, that that was really what what mine was all about, in the sense that it was using the a framework method and it the way that the questions were asked and the data was collected. It was, it was almost that you already knew, you you had an idea of what you wanted to ask in the beginning. It wasn't just ask a general question and let the person just talk. Um, there was an objective in mind of this is what I want to find out very specific and I say very post-positivist kind of approach. So that that was mine and it was purely very descriptive. Um, there, there was not so much uh, the need to generate theory involved in it. It was just more to get an idea of what's the reality of the other person's world because I'm not there. So I want to hear it from their side. So not so much wanting to come up with weird and wonderful things if I might use that phrase <laughs> I love that weird and wonderful we didn't want any weird and wonderful stuff we just wanted to find out what we what we wanted to know and that, that that's okay that's okay but again it's about being honest about that at the beginning yeah. isn't it? 
and in the unit we talk about small q and big q studies i don't think that's particularly helpful but it is a terminology that exists and they would probably that the idea of post-positivist study would probably sit more in a small queue like you're not fully immersing yourself in the other the the individual's lived experience and their perceptions of reality and how they construct their reality you just want to find out what you need to know and that that's okay as long as you know that that's what you're doing yeah brandon do you want to say anything about yours yeah i mean my i suppose mine is slightly different from uh from both post-positivist and positivist in, in the sense it's more pragmatic, I suppose would be the, the, the paradigm term to be used. So I mean, para- pragmatic research tends to, I think tends to be employed quite a lot in, in mixed methods, uh, mixed methods sort of research. Um, and it was interesting to sort of understand what, what pragmatic qualitative research actually is. So when I was looking at it and, and trying to explore what, you know, what, what is, what is a, a pragmatic paradigm mean how, how does that how do those set of lenses or, or one big qualitative lens looks how will it present the the data that i'm collecting so i mean just looking at the summary i wrote here to sort of try and best how i was coming to terms of it when i was first researching it and essentially from what i looked at pragmatic research is is grounded in the sense that it looks at truth and it says that truth is what is useful in in a in a in, in the approach you're going to take so it, it's rather than saying that reality is um you know is, is set in stone and it's and it's you know there's uh perhaps hidden rules governing teaching and, and learning like positivists might look at it tends to look at reality is renegotiated and debated and interpreted in light of its usefulness in new situations so when you're exploring something that's that's fairly new a new area of research that hasn't hasn't really been covered yet so if for example in my research looking at long-term outcomes and the contextual challenges having that pragmatic approach um was useful because it is exploring something that's 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 unknown in, in the literature so far so i think it's really important when you're choosing a paradigm and you're choosing all of these um all of these terms that we use ontology epistemology and things like that, that make up the paradigm um, that it's really useful to, to explore all of them at first because you know you, you might lean one way or you might lean another way you have this sort of continuum this this spectrum of um, of everything really you have a you know you could have an ontology you might you might lean one way over the other um, but it's really important to to understand the terms that you're going to use because you, it's good to justify why you've chosen these things of qualitative research yeah. um, and i think it's really important in building the the accountability of your of your final manuscripts or your final outputs yeah and what you talked about there really that's that's ax- axiology that's this the, the standpoint of of the researcher um and again in qualitative research is really important because it's your kind of set of set of beliefs where you're coming from um and that again is something which is quite um it's quite different to positivist research because your axiology is to be completely separate and distant from your, you don't want to influence your study in any way. You want the, you know, the, the data to be as, as uncontaminated as possible, but in qualitative research, we contaminate everything because <laughs> we're talking to people, you know, or we're watching people or we're, you know, we're interacting with them in some way. So we have to really understand, you know, what our own our own position and our own kind of thinking around this and you said when you know when you look at all of these terms you think okay which one am I naturally leaning towards 
And there's just something about that natural leaning, kind of where it, you know, where it comes from. But, you know, you have to kind of understand well, what's pushing that. Like I said in the, in the introduction to NeuroCall that my, you know, my first qualitative study was narrative inquiry. And there was just something about narrative that just spoke to me straight away in the context of the study that I was doing. Like it was the only possible research design that I could use for, for my question that would answer it in totality. And I had to really kind of understand where that was coming from. Um, so that's really important. And you talked about, um, you know, a, a paradigm of, of it, it's, pra you know, pragmatism. And pragmatism is, is often used in, in mixed methods research. And it kind of moves, if we think about uh, positivism on one side and interpretive, interpretivism on the other, so positivism for quantitative research and um, interpretivism for qualitative, even though there's loads more. But the pragmatism, those things really don't like mixing because although, you know, it's a bit like oil and water, you can shake them up but and kind of create this emulsion. But generally one wins over the other. And that would depend on the research, you know, what the, the research is trying to find out. And again, the axiology of the researcher. Um, and they have really different views on the way reality is constructed. You know, the idea of multiple truths versus one truth the idea of subjectivity versus objectivity. And if you look at those kind of set of fundamental beliefs, it's really hard to join those things together. Um, and those worldviews kind of overshadow everything that we do. So when you get a quantitative researcher trying to do qualitative, you can see that because they think quantitatively. And it's the same with qualitative researchers. Um, trying to get quantitative, like I, I would love the idea of sending out a short questionnaire to everybody and just getting some data and stick it in a spreadsheet and then being done. <laughs> Every time when I sit through qualitative analysis, I'm like, why, why do I, why do I situate myself over here? Because this is so hard. Um, but actually, I just can't appreciate quantitative research, and I would be happily to be involved with it. But you know. The, it just for me there's always so many more questions that can be asked or ways in which a, a question can be answered that could possibly be captured in a questionnaire um so when you have this those fundamental differences and I often think I don't know if this is a helpful metaphor but I often think it's a bit like religion you know when you have two two religion religions which are so fundamentally different those people just can't kind of resolve those differences and sometimes qualitative research or you know that research is like that but pragmatism in the middle for mixed methods is actually a way of saying actually well let's just take like Brandon said it's what works well what how do I answer this research question I'm not going to immerse myself in all these opposing philosophical positions I'm going to see what works I've got this research question I need to do this first and then I need to do that and actually it's that kind of middle ground that doesn't it doesn't ignore philosophy but it just kind of takes more of a working attitude to well let's do let's do what works for this particular study um but I also I, I still think in even in a, in a, a pragmatist approach there's quite often a more dominant stream within that within the studies um, so it's again, it's just thinking about whether it's, you know, what those, how you're treating the different, the, the different data sets and, and how they work together or if they work together at any, at any point is really important, I would say. Um, so I think philosophy is um, something that um, 
needs a lot of reading and discussion. I think this is the bit where, you know, we, we miss out from having those chats in the in the corridor about these sorts of things. But, um, you know, so recommend some, some good references in, in the unit. So um, work through the unit, have you need to do some additional reading around this stuff. Expect at some point to put your head in your hands and think, I've no idea what these people are talking about. Would you say that's true, Brandon and Sam? Absolutely, because um, when I first learned about qualitative, this was literally the first thing that we learned. And whilst I'm not opposed to, to learning about it, I was like, how does this actually affect my data collection? How does this change how I'm going to ask this person about how they feel about, I don't know, having a head injury, for example? Yeah. What, what, what has that got to do with it? So, but it does. It actually does, yeah. And I think that's the thing. When you first see it, you're like, this has got no relevance to, to data collection. Like, it's not, there's no, I can just ignore this bit. Um, and I was like, you know, I sat in a lecture about critical feminist inquiry and went, what? <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> don't, really, don't, don't understand a word this woman had taught had said. Um, and kind of, you know, I think sometimes it's only really by doing qualitative research that the penny drops about how important this bit is. Um, but quite often that's, it, although we front end it as being the, you know, the root, sometimes we kind of come to it last to, to realise that, I'll, you know, that's, that was my standpoint. That is my standpoint. And I un this is why I understand it in that particular way. Um, and I think that's the other thing you know, we, we talk, talk about the evolving nature of qualitative research. You know, I, I still remember in, in my PhD doing method, carry, I'm, I don't know if Brandon, this is, this is like this for you at the moment, but carrying out methods to begin with, that I didn't actually fully understand. And it was really only when I came to write my thesis, I was kind of like, that's what I did. I've, okay, get that bit now. And even prepping for my viva, reading literature that I didn't understand in my first and second years and coming back to that literature and going, oh yes now I get it you know it's like this veil had kind of been lifted so I think there is that evolving sense of understanding I mean Brandon what do, what do you think yeah no I absolutely agree I, I mean I'm still you know still going back to the the dictionary the qualitative methods manual to this day and just thinking oh I, I, I have no idea what they mean but now you know <laughs> now I do know what they mean um I mean something going back to we've already used this example but going back to methodology and methods was something that is so simple to get confused, but they have completely different meanings in, in qualitative research. And I think it's really important to use the language, um, to use the language well. There is there is a difference between good and not so good qualitative research. I think qualitative research is a label that's thrown around um, yeah. if, for anything, you know, anything beyond a, a Likert scale or a checkbox in a survey, as soon as people you know begin to use three text responses, they, you know, they, they could say, oh, we did qualitative research, but there yeah. is a, there's, there's a big danger to that. And I think that, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier about, you know, do I need to know all these terms and all this theory? Well, you do, because you might not know it, but you, you will be sitting in a paradigm. You will have a stance already. And I think it's good to know what stance you have. Mm. Um, you, you, if you, you may be a positivist and you, know, you may not know, you may not think that you need to know that you're a positivist and you may not think you need to sort of define that in your paper. Um, but it's, it's very important to, to do good qualitative research and, and for people to really understand the, the, the lens that you've, you've 
put on the your reality or, or the data that you've, that you've looked at and collected. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, what, wise words and, and sage advice, I would say. And I think that's probably where we could, that point to leave it, that qualitative research is more than just non-numerical data. That's part of it, but it is not the full story. And actually, I think really in-depth, good qualitative research really engages with paradigms, philosophy, um, and pushes data beyond just the simple counts of what was what was said um, to much more interpretive um of what what was meant by what was said and what's the meaning of this this, this data so um we will continue those discussions as we move through the units and pick up several several points but enjoy the units it is a it's a good place to start but it, like i said before expect yourself to put your head in your hands at some point um but do some additional reading you know email us if you if there are concepts that you don't understand um again use the um the what do we call it the suggestion box um and if you find a resource that is particularly helpful to explain some of the the language around ontology epistemology uh, paradigms philosophy methodology then let us know if you find something that's been particularly helpful for to you to you and we'll post it on the site um and that's so that's it from me um thank you again for joining us san do you want to sign off yeah um again i hope that this unit will be not as painful as it was for lots of people <laughs> who are new to qualitative research. I don't think it will be. It's been it's written really well and really clearly, so it should be fine. Good. <laughs> I don't want any of it to be painful. <laughs> Brandon, a final word from you. No, I agree. Step one to understanding qualitative research is not understanding qualitative research. So uh, <laughs> hopefully this will get you to step two quicker than it did for us. It's a brilliant way to end. Thank you very much for joining us today.